All right, welcome in. It is another episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I am AJ Hoffman, joined as always by the one and only Griffin Warner. Griffin, how are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. Uh, I love being called the one and only. Um, I don't know any other Griffin Warners. You're the only one. Yeah, I'll, I'll pass it along. There's a few Griffins out there now, unfortunately. I think my name is uh, caught on. Uh, unfortunately, we join you as my win streak came to an end this week. Um, a, an 0-2 podcast for our last episode for our best bets, and we have to rectify this situation. Mine had no excuse. Wright State was just awful pretty much be beginning to end. They had no business uh, getting beat by that Milwaukee team, but then they followed it up with another stinker, so maybe I just jumped on their train at the wrong time. Griffin, how was your how'd your best bet uh, die this week? Uh, you know, it, it died pretty early, I got to say. Santa Clara off of a really good performance against St. Mary's. Uh, you know, you fall in love with teams when they make shots, but I felt pretty good about Santa Clara that they were uh, trying to make, as you said, trying to make a case for the NCAA tournament. Um, hosted a good San Francisco team, and San Francisco, they controlled the game throughout. Um, they were really good with defensive pressure, and Santa Clara could not throw it in the ocean and uh at home that's pretty tough to uh to win a game against a good team all right let's get past that and get into this week's games let's start with the big games and let's start in the big east where the villanova wildcats were projecting as three-point favorites at providence and it feels like no team in the country is due more for regression than providence they're 21 and 2 they are in the top 10 now, but still 47 in Ken Palm. And even 47 feels like, well, maybe a little high for considering their numbers. Like they have one player in the top 500 of O ratings, and that's Jared Bynum at 495. It's really hard to figure out how they're winning games. They're 7 and 0 against the spread as underdogs. And that's, that is a telling tale, if you ask me. Uh, and they've got, you know they've they're this team well this program has an outright win over Villanova in three of the last four seasons, so maybe they just match up well with them. Maybe Cooley knows right and knows a good way to handle him. And on the other side, this Nova team, if at this point of the season you'd say, oh, they've got six losses, there's pretty much no way to to say that's not a disappointment given preseason expectations. Uh, but. They pushed themselves in the non-conference, presumably to prepare for these types of games. You know, they were playing Purdue and UCLA big time, big time games early in the season for for this reason. And it's tough to to weigh out if the road woes for Villanova are a real thing because the Marquette and Creighton losses weren't competitive on the road, and then the game at Baylor is probably the worst game I've seen any Jay Wright team play ever in the history of time. But then they've got road wins at Seton Hall and Xavier, and those are both tough places to play. And I still stand by, and I, I guess I'll we'll just keep bringing this stupid bleeping game up for the rest of the season. But the the, the game they played at UCLA was a, a really good game, a really well played game for them, and it comes away a loss, but it, it's almost unfair that it did. I, I'm I just feel like I'm likely to to go with my belief in what I think the truth of these teams are. And the truth of it is, I th I think Villanova is just a, they're a possession better 
than Providence. So if if we're a possession or inside of it, I, I think Villanova is the way I would look. Uh, do you see anything different on this? Well, I'll put my bias front and center as I'm from Providence where I grew up and they're the, the hometown team. Um, and I, I will say that I watch them probably more closely than anybody besides maybe the, the Texas Longhorns. Um, but it's a little bit nicer because I didn't spend a uh, million dollars or however much college tuition was uh, to go there. <laughs> um, and I, I watched that DePaul game pretty closely. Um, and it's one in a long line of, of like narrow Providence victories this season. And that's, I mean, good teams do get to 21 and two. You don't, I don't think you can get to that record um, out of just sure luck, happenstance, all those sort of things. Uh, but DePaul was a questionable win that probably should have been a loss as they trailed throughout. Uh, I think the the game against Marquette at home, um, we're losing throughout as well. And, and I do think that they're a, a veteran team full of upperclassmen with a lot of transfers that came in. Uh, and that's something to say about a team that they maybe know how to win late, unlike a lot of other teams that kind of wither in those situations. Um, but I just really think Ed Cooley can coach. I think he, um, they're never going to, Providence is never going to get like the McDonald's All-Americans. Um, he's been like making his money in Newport News, Virginia, and finding a lot of players that are kind of off the, the the beaten path. And, and I think um Nobody, even I think the biggest Providence fan would have expected them to get to this number, this record at this point in the season. I do think that if you're, and I, I know you're probably considering a little bit of home court in there, but uh, I'm not sure that Villanova is this much better than PC. And, and I think PC getting what I see is four and a half right now, actually. Um, numbers are out there because we're recording oh, a little yeah. bit later than normal because uh, Super Bowl Sunday was yesterday and we took the night off. Um, I, I just think that, um, from where I sit, I'm never going to really look to back a, a, a road favorite in this situation. Um, I think PC is definitely overvalued Providence College, and they're all over. I feel like every time I open Twitter, there's a college basketball rant going on about how Providence is like the most overrated team in history. And honestly, at 21-2, and two, I, I don't think anyone believes they're this good. Um, but other than a 30-point loss when they didn't have a three-point shooter to get at Marquette, which was um, a blind side to say the least, uh, and, a, and a tough loss against Virginia. I mean, this team has been great. They've won games they should have. They won at Wisconsin, though Wisconsin was down some players. So um, I think at this point, I lean to Providence. I don't know if I really want to play it, though, because then I'm, I, I feel like I'm kind of buying into the 21 and 2 start if I play them only catching those four and a half points. Though I, I think it could be one of those games that get decided really, really late. And, and Providence, even with a lot worse teams, has beaten Villanova and has won games like this in this situation at the dunk. Yeah, this is. I mean, if if Providence wins this game, we kind of have to like just shut up and stop doubting them. It feels like this is, and I, I say we, I, I do, um, because this would be sort of a, a signature win for them, and you, it's certainly a, a win that would. I, I don't know if it, it's like a season defining because obviously you got 20 something wins. It's a, it's a great season anyway, but, and they, they've got a win at Texas or a, at home against Texas tech already. So they, it's not like the, this would be the first big win that they've had this season, but it would certainly answer a lot of questions. And, you know, with, with this run that they're on now where I, I think they've won eight in a row, it, you know, it's been a couple Georgetown games. It's been a DePaul game. It's been a couple St. John's games. It's been a Butler game. Like they, they, 
it's been a fortunate uh, scheduling run. And and this game, like this is one of these games where if you win this, it's like you got to stop questioning what we're doing. And and I think the fact that they got a scare from DePaul at home uh, on Saturday, it probably, and not that you're never going to get, Villanova's going to get your best effort in the Big East, whoever you are, whenever you play them. But I, I would expect them to to play to play tough here. So now that that number's out at four and a half, that that may be it, it's it's either Providence or pass for me. I think I, I'm certainly not willing to lay that many on the road with Nova. Yeah, I think just and I'm, we're probably going way too long on this, and I'll be I'll be brief. But when you look at, at at Providence's schedule, certainly it's been fortunate of late. And something you don't see is a lot of the teams they played were missing players due to COVID or or injuries or something like that. That's been fortunate for them for sure. Um, I just, I don't know. I think we've got enough questions about what we think about Villanova right now to make it seem like a province or nothing type of game. All right, well, let's move on. And this line is out as well. And it's a little different than I projected. I expected Tennessee uh, about a one-point dog. As it turns out, Kentucky is a one-point dog on the road at Tennessee. So Tennessee, a favorite. Um, And... It's funny. Earlier in the season, we talked about Villanova as a road team. Earlier in the season, it was starting to look like maybe Kentucky wouldn't be a good road team. They they lost three of their first five on the road, including what, in hindsight, is certainly a a head-scratching loss at Notre Dame. But since then, they've won three straight road games, including uh, sort of slam-dunk domination wins at Kansas and Alabama. And now they go up to Tennessee, where and Tennessee hasn't lost a home game yet. And they've got a couple strong home wins themselves. They they beat LSU at home. They beat Arizona at home, which is a, a fantastic win. If you go back and you look at the first game between these two teams this season, it's it's a really tough box score to read. It, the final score is one hundred seven seventy nine. So it's not it, this was not a close game, and Tennessee had twenty turnovers. So that, that certainly tells part of the story. But the wild part is this. Tennessee made shots. I, I mean, they were making a lot of shots. They they made 57% of their shots from two, which is better than their season average of 50. And they shot 48% from three, which is much better than their season average of 35%. The problem was Kentucky was just out of their minds. 71% from two, 61% from three, you're not going to lose many games when you when you shoot like that. The question is, how repeatable is that for Kentucky? Uh, that, that I I don't know. Uh, I mean, I certainly don't think they're going to put up th- those numbers. But can they put up you know anything close? And I mean, mind you, they they won this game by 28 points. Uh, so a couple missed threes wouldn't have hurt them. Uh, the the last time though that these two teams, these two programs, played at least twice in a season. And both teams didn't get at least one win was 2012, which predates Rick Barnes. So Barnes and Calipari usually that's it's a split. You know, sometimes they play a third game in the uh, in the conference uh, in the conference tournament. But for the most part, these these two guys have adjusted to each other, adjusted to what they've seen first. I I, I like the idea of maybe Tennessee getting getting a point, getting a point and a half here more than I like the idea of them chasing, but or uh, of of having to give points, but. I think I'm going to lean to to Barnes kind of figuring things out. It's a tough time to bet against Kentucky because it seems like they're really putting things together. But I, I'm gonna, I, I would lean to Rick making the adjustments here. What about you? 
I would imagine after that, I mean, it is an incredible box score. I don't even know if it's tough to read. It's just awe-inspiring. I, 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 like, I'm shocked in what I'm looking at. And I remember seeing Kentucky and, and not flipping into this game because it was a blowout before I even thought about turning it on. I think it was a Saturday. And um, it's just one of those, I hard to explain, but like a Tennessee defense giving up those type of shooting numbers uh, is something that you'll probably never see again. And I imagine based on that, uh, like revenge angle is one thing, but I think if there's anything that Tennessee's walking in this game with, it's with a massive crowd, I guess is one thing. But another thing is that they're going to be focused on defending because uh, Rick Barnes, I'm guessing has dr- like ripped into them for weeks about this. And, and maybe that's helped them in their four game win streak. Uh, against A&M, South Carolina, Mississippi State on the road, which is a decent win, and then Vanderbilt. So not exactly the strongest uh, part of the SEC. Uh, but still, is it's hard to do, hard to win four in a row, including two road games. And um, I got to think that a little bit about this line right now, maybe, and, and why we were uh, off the um, – maybe off on our number projection is because uh, Ty Ty Washington might be missing this game. I don't know if you have an updated injury report on it, but not seeing it. Yeah, but I he mean, he was a great he was great in their first matchup, so that would be big. And we've seen Kentucky when they lose uh, one of their guards, whether it's Wheeler or Ty Ty, that they've had some trouble with. I think backcourt depth, and that's maybe something to to pay attention to later in the season, or I mean, even with foul trouble and things like that. For now, um, I think in, in this game it's really hard for me to, to want to go against Kentucky based on how well they've been playing and really what like that, like dominant monstrous win at the fog against Kansas is just something that sticks in my mind when I want to consider laying a point or even a, po- a point and a half against uh, Kentucky at home. I mean, home crowd will be there. It'll be nuts. Um, Tennessee has a great, great home court advantage. One of the best probably in the country. And that's going to be a really tough thing for to Kentucky to, to overcome. Um, but I don't really know how they're going to deal with Oscar Shibway inside. And it's really hard when you can't get defensive rebounds. So when Kentucky does miss, which is to me less than 50% of the time, then you got to worry about getting, getting an, a defensive rebound against that monster. And I just, you know, I think this is one of these games I really want to watch because we, I think both of us have, have gone on record on this podcast of not really being in love with Kentucky did in the transfer market versus like the normal freshman year. Like, and right now is when they're peaking, but they're great. And uh, I don't think I'm in a rush to lay any points against them. All right. Well, that one, I, I think that it does qualify as sort of a watch and learn type of game. Cause I don't know that, like I said, I don't know that I'm rushing to push money across the counter and say, yep, Kentucky's going to lose today. I, I don't feel great about that either. So, all right, let's move to the ACC. And it felt like this was going to be a really big matchup. And then Wake went out and lost to Miami at home this weekend, which, eh. Uh, that was the first sign to me that maybe like the Syracuse loss a couple weeks ago. I, I saw it coming. I, I guess I did. I you know Miami won the first matchup with Wake. I said, oh, they're going to get revenge here. And at home, no, they didn't they lose by four at home. And it was like, wow. It, not that Miami's terrible, but it was just a game that I thought Wake would would make some adjustments and come back in. And now now they get a chance to do that against Duke, who already beat them at home, seventy six sixty four the final in that game. And it, I, maybe this kind of said, oh, is this Wake team like smoke and mirrors? I, I don't know. Um, I, I've said most of this season, I think Wake is the new North Carolina, just that really physical, big front court. And Duke absolutely smoked 
the Tar Heels a couple weeks ago. And um, it seems like Duke's peaking right now. And Wake's, Wake's weaknesses on offense were exposed in that first matchup. They, they turned the ball over a ton. They're not a great three-point shooting team. And then when, when they turned it over against Duke a lot, which and Duke's not really a turnover-creating team, and then they got down. They got down 20 with six minutes left. And they just started chucking it and couldn't make any shots because they're not a good three-point shooting team. So I think Wake is better than what we saw in the first matchup. I just don't know that at this point with five games left on the regular season schedule on this Coach K farewell tour that I'm I'm looking to step in front of Duke. But at 11, it's, it's at a tempting range for me. Uh, you want to talk me out of it? <laughs> you know, unfortunately, I did bet. Wake Forest in that first matchup. Um, I've been pretty high on, on Wake so far this season. Love Steve Forbes, their head coach. Um, feel like he finally got some transfers in that he needed and, and certainly brought some of his guys from East Tennessee State in as well, um, from good old Johnson City. And I, I think um, what I've kind of learned about Wake Forest was surprised about their loss this weekend, and they led for three quarters of that game. So um, I don't know if it was a misleading final. I didn't, I didn't tune in fully besides just kind of watching the score. Um, but I think where Wake Forest really struggled in the first matchup is I was watching it pretty intently. Um, I think that they're going to struggle, and, and I think they're going to struggle again uh, on the road at Cameron with, with Duke's athleticism, which I think a lot of teams will struggle with this season. Um, but Duke just seems to be, for Coach K's last ride, um, they're certainly not the the tall, lengthy, white three-point shooters that just sit on the perimeter. I feel like they're so athletic, and that's something that you really can't out-scheme. I mean, you can to a certain extent, and Forbes is, is great at, at what he does, but I just I don't know that when you put um, – five on five in there. Uh, they don't, didn't really have an answer for Bancaro. Not that a lot of people do. Uh, as you said, the big Wake Forest front court doesn't seem to be very mobile or athletic. Um, and I, I think what's going to happen is they're going to be really three point reliant. And at Cameron, that's a really scary thing. I mean, if they make a lot of them, it might, might hang them in the game. Um, but I just feel like that's really tough to trust on the road. And they're going to, I think, have to work to really try to keep Duke from scoring at will. And that makes it, and it probably zaps some legs from three-point shots as well. I think Wake Forest is one of those teams where I want to back them when Alondis Williams is the best, most athletic player on the court. Uh, Oklahoma transfer, who's who's great and has been like probably one of the best additions of any transfer portal. Um, and there were a lot of them this year. I just, I don't know. I mean, the big, big number. And certainly that sounds like they're going to cover fouling. Um, but I feel like Duke can run away and hide in that building. And I just, I'm worried for Wake Forest, especially after a little bit of a confidence rattling loss at home, um, what they're going to do in, in this type of spot. And if they show up and perform well, I think that's a good sign for them in the future because they look like an NCAA tournament team. Um, but, but we'll see. All right, let's go to a Thursday. No, excuse me, a Wednesday game. Uh, most of these are tomorrow, Tuesday. Now, now we get to the Wednesday part of the slate. And round two of Texas Tech and Baylor. And if you recall back in January, uh, Texas Tech handed Baylor their first loss of the season at home, 65-62. And now the game's at Texas Tech. And we we know Tech is not a tough place to play. Uh, we saw Texas get wiped out there. We saw uh, Iowa State get crushed there. We saw Kansas get beat there. 
they, they've they've done some real damage at home and Baylor on the road which felt like it was pretty solid early they they wanted Oregon they wanted Iowa State uh then they won it at West Virginia which at the time seemed like a better win than it does now but then they got beat by Alabama on the road and they got absolutely smacked by Kansas a couple weeks ago now they go into Lubbock what what do you see in this matchup do you think that the Raiders get it done once again I do um back to Texas Tech in that first one uh, felt pretty good about it. It was a monstrous number, and this is certainly a different situation where Texas Tech is going to have to win uh, to return your your risk and then some money on top of it. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about Baylor. I mean, they had a good win against Texas this weekend, but I don't think that was really surprising. Um, didn't really – I mean, the blowout loss at Kansas, yeah, they've been dealing with some missing players, but I feel like um, it – at least from, from my perspective, it doesn't explain the the – the losses. And I feel like just a few, maybe a month ago, we thought this was going to be a repeat of last year or one's going to get really deep in the tournament. I'm, I'm not sure I feel that same way about them right now. I think, I mean, maybe when they lose a three point threat that that really changes who they are because they can't spread the floor as much. I think James Akinjo has kind of proven through his college career that he can't really shoot the three. Um, and that's really limiting in, uh, the basketball game of today because you can't really and one mixtape everybody especially in good defensive conferences like the big 12 and i think that's why he's went from georgetown to arizona all across now to baylor uh and, and kind of lapped the country with trying to figure out where he can find a home um texas tech i think we know what we're going to get from them it's going to be a really tough defense i think if baylor shoots well um they can shoot and and kind of score enough that Texas tech will have a really hard time. I just don't know that Baylor really is someone I can trust to do that. I think that they're, I mean, hard to definitely, they were going to take a step back from like a perfect team last season that won the national championship. Um, And then losing everyday John. Just call him JTT. Yeah. JTT. Losing him to a knee injury, I think is a big deal because that really tests some front court depth, which I think is, is pretty young and and is not as experienced as as what we would have expected in the past. And he's the guy on that team. That's kind of like a dog, like the guy who uh, is, doesn't care about how many points he gets. He's like a rebound guy. He's basically kind of like what, when you think of what last year's Baylor team that won the championship was, it's that sort of mentality, like just sort of a toughness and grit. So I, and I he's not like a, a a huge minutes guy, but I think he's pretty valuable to them. He's he's um he was second in the in conference play in offensive rating on on Kim Palm and one of the best rebounders in the country. So and really one of the better shot blockers in the Big Twelve as well. Uh, a guy that could get you easy buckets inside when you put him in there. So I, I do think he's going to be missed and. You know, Texas Tech still has their question marks on how healthy they are at this point in the season. They've been kind of banged up. And if you watch that game last week, last Wednesday, in fact, against Oklahoma, I I said I thought that this would be sort of a – like Oklahoma felt like a a cornered dog, like a a wounded dog or something. Like they they knew that they had to come out and do something big because it's just falling apart. Everything's falling. And then – you know, it had, they won that game at Kansas over the weekend, which they they almost did. You'd be looking at, at Oklahoma, even despite their record, and going, "Well, maybe, maybe you can make the case for them." Now, I think maybe that's that's dead. But this it feels like that this 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 team is 
besides that one effort, they're playing as well as as they have all season. You know, they, they even the the game they lost at Kansas, it, double overtime at Fog. It's like, are you going to fault them for that? I, I I'm not. Uh, I, I think that Tech is just playing really good ball right now, and Baylor feels a little shaky. So gun to, gun to a head. I, I'm I I think I'm with you. I'm I'm riding with Texas Tech in this one. Yeah, almost made them my best bet, actually. Um, feel pretty good about them. I, I think the United Supermarkets Arena or whatever it's called nowadays, um, not HEB Arena or whatever, but um, there's not a lot to do in, in Lubbock, I don't think, on a on a Wednesday night. So we might as well go out and uh, I guess you can't yell at Chris Beard, but probably people are still doing it. Uh, well, that is one thing to consider, I guess, is that th- that the rematch with Texas is on deck. Uh, I don't think you're going to get overlook against the defending national champions, but that I think that Texas Tech probably prioritizes that Baylor game or that Texas game over the Baylor game at this point, which is kind of funny to think about. Uh, I I tend to think it won't matter because I don't think you can overlook this Baylor team. So I, I think you're going to get a focused effort, especially at home. All right, let's get into it. The best bets portion of the podcast, obviously not our week last uh, last episode. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to take the lead here? You know, I'll go. Um, you've been hot, and uh, I've been uh, lukewarm to say the least. Um, we did come off a two and zero before this zero and two, so I guess we're going back to flipping coins. But um, I'm feeling a two and zero this week. Uh, I really like Georgia Tech. They're uh, our line's already out uh, as we're recording this Monday night. They're a one and a half point favorite to North Carolina State right now. Um, and it's a little bit difficult and certainly not as easy on the eyes to back Georgia Tech, who got off to a pretty poor start this season. Uh, but I feel like they had a really tough time kind of figuring out that their identity and who they were when they lost Moses Wright. And this was a really good team last year that returns a lot. I mean, Michael DeVoe is one of the best scorers in all of the ACC. Not a, not a great ACC, but... Um, and Josh Pastner, what he's done and all his stops has played uh, a bunch of different defenses, which I think they can throw at NC State, who really doesn't have a lot of three point shooting. And I think that's going to be a problem against um, a zone that switches from like a matchup to man to man to all these different things. And I think that's going to confuse an NC State offense that really relies on uh, Seaborn driving to the basket. Seaborn, excuse me. And so I think from where I'm sitting, where NC State, I think, has lost seven of eight, if, if that if that's correct, if my math is right, um, and, and they're in, in big, big trouble um, just in general, because I feel like they're walking into a, a lion's den of some or maybe a hornet's nest is probably a little bit more appropriate. They've lost eight um, of nine, and that includes they just lost to Pitt, which that's that's the toughest loss to swallow in that conference. <laughs> Tough to do, and and also going back to back road games, um, not the greatest situation or setup. Uh, Georgia Tech certainly went on the road, led Miami for a lot of that game, and then ended up losing towards the end. Um, and also against Virginia, had a really tough start, but fought their way back into a game. I, I feel like I've been backing them quite a bit, and it's had mixed results of late. But ultimately, Georgia Tech, I think that they've got the scoring that NC State doesn't, and this line seems to be too short to me. So I'm playing Georgia Tech minus one and a half is my best bet. I'm with you on this. Uh, it's funny if you if you look at Ken Palm, you can see where they play, where the, the A games and the B games, basically the games that matter for you at the end of the season. And if, if you look at Georgia Tech, if you're playing against a bad team, 
Georgia Tech's winning that game. If they don't have an A or a B next to their name, because those teams are beating Georgia Tech, but if they don't have an A or a B next to their name, Georgia Tech's getting the job done. NC State does not have a letter next to their name. I think they have just completely quit on this team. I, I think it's a, a really young team that was easy, and it, they just sort of have started to mail it in. And lose, like you know, it was one thing getting blown out. You know, they got blown out in back-to-back games by by Notre Dame and, and Wake at home. But then to lose to Pitt is just that. That's a that's a sign that things have completely unraveled. So uh, I, I'm with you on your best bet here, and that is of course tomorrow. My best bet is on Wednesday, and it's I'm I'm going with a, a theme that I've used a couple times this season. And I'm going to go with Moorhead State minus nine, the projection on the road at Tennessee Martin. And the theme has been you can bet the top of the OVC against the bottom pretty consistently. And even with big numbers, it's not going to matter. And Moorhead is certainly in the top group of uh, the they're they're in the haves uh, and Tennessee Martin is certainly in the have nots. Uh, here's the thing about Moorhead, though. They lost two in a row. They lost to the other two halves, Belmont and Murray State. Both heartbreaking games. They lost by Bel- to Belmont by one at Belmont, which would have been a huge win for them. And then they lose by four uh, at home to Murray. And it, it, I think for the rest of the season, they're going to be in mall mode. And the first matchup with these two teams – was not as close as the final. Moorhead was up 23 with three minutes to play. They put in the walk-ons, and it ends up being a 14-point win. UT Martin just had no one to even slow down Broom in that game. And he had 20 points, 8 of 10 shooting, 15 rebounds, and 5 blocks. And Nix is really the only UT Martin regular over six foot six. He's just too slow to hang with Broom, and when they send help on him, it opened up shooters, and Moorhead's the best three-point shooting team in the OVC. This is the best field goal percentage defense in the conference against the worst offense in the conference. So I think with Moorhead coming off those two close losses and now getting a reprieve, getting to play some of the donkeys in that OVC again, I think that you see them just open up and and really dominate this UT Martin team. So uh, that is Wednesday night. Moorhead State minus nine will be my best bet. I love it. Uh, back to Moorhead State, both games last week, um, two heartbreaking losses, including a missed point blank layup to send the game after they led throughout uh, against Murray. Uh, missed the layup, of course, fouled a 3.9 to go, 67% free throw shooter, makes two free throws to win by four. Closing number was plus three. Um, that one sent me, uh, I, I think I had to go on a walk after watching that one. Uh, crumble down down the stretch i, I think you're going to get an angry team out there looking to take some uh take some some steam out of them after two what should have been wins against the top of the ovc and honestly i think Moorhead's a team that you want to look for to to win another conference tournament because they i mean broom is one of the best players in that conference he is such a shot blocker that you wouldn't expect from his slight frame uh i um, it's not looking good for anybody playing Moorhead State in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they, they, this I, I, I looked at the rest of their schedule, and it's UT Martin, Southeast Missouri, Eastern Illinois, and Edwardsville. I was like, oh, those poor souls. They are all just going to get absolutely trucked, I believe. And that's what – really, that's what this team has done all year is just truck bad teams. And, you, like, you can look at their losses, and it's 
they lost to Auburn. They lost to UAB. They lost at Mississippi State. They lost at Xavier. They, like they're all, all of their losses are quality losses, and, and then it, all of their wins are well. Besides, they they beat Belmont, which is a, a great win, uh, you know, and they almost beat them a second time, which would have been huge. But they they just dominate the drudges of this of this conference and the dredges of this conference, and that that's what Tennessee Martin is. They're, you know, outside of Eastern Illinois, they're they're the worst team in this conference. So uh, I, I think this is the the uh, revenge tour coming coming in strong here for Moorhead. That will do it, friends. There's our best bets. Georgia Tech tomorrow minus what one and a half? You said. One and a half. It's out there right now. And we will go with uh, with Moorhead State minus nine. I'll play it. To, I'll play it to ten because uh, it's a projection at UT Martin. So, uh, best of luck to you with your wagers. Hopefully, you got some insight on those other big games, for, and and you know, hopefully, you're enjoying that. Thanks to McKenzie in the back for making things happen. Thanks to Griffin. Thanks to all our fine listeners out there. And we will talk to you on Thursday. Take care.